0: Yeah, and hearing Sam Pittman makes you say, ooh, okay, we got some uh, college football coming up this weekend, Travis. So uh, it's a very interesting week for the Big 12. Feels like just about every single Big 12 game has an intriguing game coming up tomorrow or tonight. I think KU has an interesting game tonight against Illinois, but Cincinnati goes to Pitt, UCF goes to Boise, Tech plays Oregon at home, Baylor plays Utah, Iowa State plays Iowa, Texas plays Alabama, Uh, Oklahoma State plays at Arizona State, and not that OU and SMU is at the top of the list, but it's just another opportunity for this defense to prove that it is a lot better than it was a year ago, and tomorrow doesn't tell the final story of how big of a jump that they've made. But it does tell the story as to if they can put back-to-back impressive defensive performances together. We can still learn a lot tomorrow afternoon.
1: Yeah, for sure, for sure. And and I think, you know, I'm not in the boat of we can't learn a damn thing until Texas. I'm not in that boat. You know, you are you are allowed to be happy. You are allowed to be impressed. You're allowed to to think, hey, look, like this this defense might be. Pretty darn good because you can't say all day, you know, all week, all offseason, man, that SMU, man, that's going to be a tough test against that offense. And then if we go and show out, say – Man, they weren't any good. We gotta wait till we see Texas. We gotta wait till. Here's the thing: if we if we then beat Texas, you know, or if we our defense plays well against Texas, I should say, you can't say then. Well, we'll see what it's like in the bowl game. So then, all of a sudden, you've gone through the entire football season without ever just being able to enjoy what you're seeing or appreciate what you're seeing. And Tyler, that's not a life that I can live.
0: Yeah. Well, you mentioned the Texas game, and it brings up uh, an interesting question. So that is the toughest game, most important game of the year. We cover that all off season. But what about until then? Is tomorrow the is tomorrow the best opponent that you're gonna play until you see Texas? or is that Cincinnati or is that um is that Iowa State? Like, is this yeah, SMU game tomorrow? Is that gonna be the toughest game until you get to that Texas game?
1: You know it it feels for me, it feels a bit like Cincinnati to me uh, personally. Um. at least I know they played, you know, a week one opponent that wasn't impressive. Looked but good, though. 66 points, man. I mean, it is what it is, but 66 points. And we're going to be playing them on the road. Uh, you know, it's going to be one of those sleepy-eyed 11 a.m. kicks. But, uh, by the way, I'm pretty close, I think, to securing a post-game radio well, spot, so we'll that's see. That's awesome.
0: They, they won't be sleepy at 11 a.m. for their first ever Big 12 game.
1: Right. but A little it's, bit up
0: for eight hours.
1: But but at but at a home, you know, playing on the road at Cincinnati, we'll see what they do this week, you know, against Pitt. But I'm circling that as our toughest game before Texas.
0: Yeah, I would say Cincinnati as well. I, I think this one's number two, but Cincinnati being on the road um, makes it tougher, I think, than what tomorrow is. But we'll find out. Like, there's a chance this time tomorrow night. I, I can't remember exactly what time that they play, but there's a chance. Saturday night we look up and say woo Cincinnati may is a, maybe a little bit better than we thought coming into the year. Yeah, that game's at 5:30 tomorrow. Not that Pitt is some elite team, but we know what Pitt is. Is a football team. They're they're tough, they're physical. They play the right way. If if Emory Jones lights it up again at Pitts, I'll I'll be I'll be a lot more impressed with what Cincinnati has this year with uh, first year head coach Scott Satterfield. Um so yeah, it's Big spot for Cincinnati and several other Big 12 teams coming up tomorrow. We did this a lot last year. Let's go ahead and do this again today because we talked about already today what we need this offense to do, what this defense needs to do. Let's group both of those in. More than anything, I want to see what from this football team tomorrow. That may, that may be defending the deep ball well, getting after the quarterback, hitting deep balls yourself. But, Travis, more than anything, and, yes, we all want to see a win and, hopefully a shutout but more than anything what do we want to see from this team tomorrow in your opinion
1: um let's see more than anything i think i think more than anything i want to see elite defensive end play because i think that's going to take care of two things tyler i think that's going to take care of how much they want to go side to side with those push passes and those quick outs those little bubble screens and i think If we have elite edge play, then it's going to put Preston Stone on his butt um, a lot more than we saw last week. So elite defensive end play is what I want to see more than anything specifically.
0: Yeah, I was going to say um, elite play from the running backs, but I I just, man, I, I think that's going to happen. I think there's too much talent for that not to happen. More than anything, I want to see every deep ball from SMU Contested with the defender in the area. And what I mean by that is no free runners. Arkansas State had, what, one, two free runners on Saturday. I want to see every single deep ball that SMU throws, because I think they're going to throw a lot of deep balls tomorrow, Travis. But I want to see at least one corner or one safety in position to make a play, even if it's one on one down the field. Because I've got a lot of confidence in these corners and safeties covering down the field if they're there. Just no coverage bust more than anything tomorrow. And I'll feel even better about the back end of the defense.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And in in, in hopes you can get back there if they want to throw the ball around a little bit. And if we can contain their run game, um, you know, with their their talented transfer running backs, if we can contain them, then without having to sell out the safeties or anything like that, like, you're going to see some opportunities down there. And, yes, Arkansas State definitely had some opportunities, and they just – simply dropped them or their quarterback missed them, J.T. Shrout, but you know, you're you're dealing with a little bit more talent and I think the I think the corners, I think you heard it from Peyton Bowen, I think they're getting a little bit of that swagger back and this is their best opportunity to prove it against, you know, like a former five-star, you know what I mean? Yeah, so
0: you want the pass rush? I want the secondary. So this is a defensive day tomorrow. Is what we're mostly going to be looking at. Confirm hey,
1: absolutely. We, 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 we know that before, the offense is fine. They've been they've been yeah. fine for a hundred years.
0: That's why, like someone asked, I think it was yesterday, would you rather win this game? Tw- I think it was what was it 24, 27 to three, or would you rather win it's 28 Those aren't the exact scores, but you, you kind of get the point. Would you want to win this game in a like low scoring way on based on OU standards, or would you want to win in a bit of a shootout? I, I give me low scoring all day long. I know give this offense lower, low is going to be fine this year. This offense yep. is going to be fine this year. Let me see the defense for the second consecutive week throw up a really really low number, especially against an offense that's a lot better. Not 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 a decision to me.
1: Yeah, no, I I, I think I think low scoring um, again. If you if you if you're chasing stats, putting up 73 in the first game, uh, that's going to carry a lot of our <laughs> a lot of our offense stuff. Um, zero points. I'd like to keep that number low. I think a lot of uh, a lot of where recruiting's going. I mean, if you can if you can somehow keep these games low, control the clock, run the ball well. If you can do that, and and Tyler, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but if there's a world where you can end up with like a top twenty defense, and you rise one hundred spots in one year. It'd be all right. The 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 recruiting going into the SEC will be better than what it is even right now, and we talked about it earlier. We're about to land a top one hundred defensive tackle if if we uh, you know if the industry is correct on it.
0: Four oh five more than anything, no punts. Five eight zero more than anything. I just want to see that they look different. I love that. Different. Mm-hmm. Gunny says, more than anything, I want to see Danny and Jaron rack up 30 tackles with three sacks and a pick six. I'd also like to see G. Freaky take another one of the house on special teams, which is also what uh, Cherokee Sooner wants to see. I want to see G. Freaky take another punt to the house. I'm addicted to it now. Yeah, we, we haven't been used to special team scores. And you got a little bit of a hit off of it last Saturday early in the game, and now everyone's addicted, saying, "Oh yeah, 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 yeah. that was that's fun. You could score that way. You could, you could do that. That's in the rules." Well, this that's game's what, a lot allowed? easier. That's a, this game's a lot easier when you can score with pump returns. I want more of those, please.
1: Yeah, that's uh, it's it's essentially like when uh, when Happy Gilmore made the hole in one on the par par four and realized that you you could just do that every time and you yeah. wouldn't have to putt. Like, wait a minute, that's. I'm just going to do that every time. That's way easier than trying to, uh, you know, pick up third downs and, and and whatnot. But, but yeah, I think. But but it goes kind of it goes back to what I was saying earlier, Tyler. You know, the I think the 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 texture said Kanick and Stutzman combined for 30 tackles. No, that means they're on the field too much. I that's what I, I thought too.
2: Yes, seriously. I mean,
1: we we need to change the way we think a little bit. You know, and and again, it's it's natural to want your your players to rack up stats. That's natural. That's what typically you want but i promise you if we look up and we don't have you know a, a, a tackle leader with 15 16 tackles our tackle leader is like at 7 or something like that it probably means we played a lot of players probably means we probably played pretty well because if you're having to rack up tackles like Danny racked up tackles last year it might mean that we needed him a lot later into the game than we wanted to so i'm looking at the depth
0: chart back to Gavin Freeman I was looking at the depth chart uh, for punt returner. It says Gavin Freeman or L.V. Bunkley Shelton. And I'm not saying that L.V. Bunkley Shelton or even Drake Stoops won't get an opportunity to return p- punts, but do you feel like last week kind of solidified Gavin Freeman as your main punt returner this year? You need to take one uh, back to the house.
1: Yeah, I, I think, uh, was it was it Jeff Levy that said, I, I forget what coach said it, so I, I don't want to misquote here, but um, said he's a little riskier back there. You know, saying, Oh, well, you know, Gavin he's he's explosive for sure, but he's a little bit riskier. He's more likely to try and take one to the house, but if 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 you punted maybe a hundred to him, he might have the most muffs or something like that. You know what I mean? Like so I think in a situation where, you know, you've got big leads or anything like that, like I think you might see L V Bunkley Shelton back there or somebody else. Yeah. But a spark early Man, I think G. Freaky's gonna try and take it to the house again.
0: How how about a how about an under the radar storyline from uh, from game one? And we we brought it up, but not as much as we should have, especially with all the crap that he got this off season. Brad from Shawnee says more than anything, I want to see Dylan Gabriel be super crisp and efficient defensively. I want to see the defense hold rushing yards under one hundred. Um. Yeah, man. Like
2: yeah.
0: G- Gabriel. Like not every throw was on the money, but dude, he like his completion percentage. I think was eighty-eight percent last Saturday. The deep ball looked good. The intermediate uh, routes looked good. Dylan Gabriel was super crisp. He looked uh confident. He looked faster than what he did a year ago. It was under the radar last week, but maybe we'll talk about it more if he does it again on Saturday. I was I, w- I was very impressed with what Gabriel. And, and obviously, Jackson Arnold, who was 11 of 11. But I thought Gabriel played really, really well last Saturday.
1: Yeah, and, again, that's kind of what I wanted to see, the crispness, the decisive decision-making. That's what's so key because, Tyler, year two in the system – because keep in mind, this wasn't a situation where, you know, he went from UCF running the exact same system and then to OU running the exact same system. No, he had run Levy's system before, and then Levy went off to Ole Miss – and then they kind of met back up. So yes, the Christmas, the 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 decision making is everything. Comfortability in year two, his body looks good, everything like that. I think, uh, yeah, I, I think that's what I want to see. And if we see Dylan stay at that level, it means really big things for this offense. Uh,
0: third down trends continue. Yes, third downs were a lot better last week. We'll we'll see if they're better against a uh, better team uh, this week. Gunny is Jonesing for an Antonio Perkins day. Three punt returns tomorrow for uh, for Gavin Freeman. That's what you're calling for, Gunny, for his next act. That, that wouldn't be that wouldn't be too bad. Uh They're not gonna punt you. to
1: him four times.
0: Yeah, I still I'll punt it out I, of bounds. I still I could not believe UCLA kept punting punting it to him that day. It's like what are you guys doing? You know what the result's gonna be. Why do you keep punting to this guy? He's just going to take it back to the house, like he. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm glad it happened. It was an incredible day on Owen yeah, Field, yeah, but right. at some point, it's just like, guys, what? Kick it out of bounds. Go for it on fourth down. I don't. Whatever. But what are you doing? Just punting it to this guy. He's about to break the record on you, and he did. Uh, one more. Wait an OKC. SMU could only score 38 on Law Tech. They're not scoring much on OU unless it's garbage time. Yeah. I, they, they actually looked really good in the first half against LaTeX. Um, they, they didn't score a whole lot in the second half, but you and I were watching that at O'Connell's, Travis, and first half, SMU was moving the ball at will. So I, I, th- I think that they're a good offense. They're not the best offense that OU's going to see this year, and OU's got a chance to have a really good defensive day, but I don't know, that, that 38 is a little bit misleading because they were firing on all cylinders the first 30 minutes.
1: Yeah, and and La- again... La Tech is real bad. I mean, Corey Roberson had the pick six. You know, that was their, that was how they got to 14. That was on their uh, – they had them backed up. But, I mean, they weren't all that efficient. I mean, it was – they had some penalties, some bad penalties. You know, they had some bad overthrows. I mean, they, they, they benefited on some big chunk plays. Uh, obviously, uh, L.J. Johnson had a big 67-yard run where he got loose. And then – Again, I've brought it up the Jordan Hudson two-handed shove that ended up uh, with him in yeah, the it end Yeah, was odd, man. I mean, that's like <clears throat> that's that accounted for over 25 percent of his passing yards, and then those that rush accounted for over 25 percent of their uh, uh, of their rushing yards. So, you know, big plays. I I don't want to be the guy, Tyler, that says, "Oh, well, those big plays don't count," because of course you pound away at the line of scrimmage until one you break one loose. You know you. You, you set up these long throws so you can reward yourself. But I just don't think it's – they lost the second half, 14-7. to seven. I mean, they had a defensive touchdown early that I, d- I don't see Dylan Gabriel throwing it directly into Corey Roberson's hands. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I came away from that game just after box score watching a little bit during our game or, or during our game day. I re-watched it this week, and I thought, all right, I'm a little more confident than I was.
0: Uh, okay, we got Bama, Texas, Colorado, Nebraska, and a whole lot of interesting Big 12 games coming up tomorrow for Week 2. We'll talk about those and more OUSMU coming up next. It is an OEC Football Friday right here on The Rush. We're the Homeless of Sooner fans.
2: This hour of The Rush is brought to you by Riverwind Casino. Casino and hotel, over 2,700 electronic games, 30 game tables, a 24-7 poker room, And the best in concerts and comedy. Riverwind Casino, just south of Norman, on Highway 9 and I-35.
0: OEC Football Friday, live on The Ref. Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson. Five hours of pregame coverage coming your way tomorrow, live on The Ref as well. From uh, 11 a.m. until 4 p.m., We will uh, get the action started at Yo Pablo on Campus Corner, 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. So Parker Thune is going to lead us off for the first couple of hours. I think he's going to have Martin Chase on the pregame show. Mark Clayton is going to be on the pregame show. And at least one uh, recruit that's going to be in town as well. So that's going to be a lot of fun. And then we will be at Balfour of Norman on Campus Corner from 1 to 4 p.m. So a couple of different ways you can see us before the game. Uh, Yo, Pablo on Campus Corner, 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. And then uh, Balfour of Norman on Campus Corner from 1 p.m. to 4 p.m. And then, of course, immediately following the game, we'll have our two-hour post-game show. Travis Davidson and myself, we will be at uh, O'Connell's Irish Pub and Grill on Campus Corner. Going to be a fun game day coming up in Norman. And while we're at uh, O'Connell's for the post-game show, I'm sure we'll be watching Texas and Alabama. We've been talking about it all week long. What's it going to look like when we roll an O'Connells in the fourth quarter? Who's going to be winning? And uh, will Bama be covering the spread hopefully by the time we arrive?
1: Yeah, you know, the the interesting part Tyler is when we walk in are we going to see uh, Arch Manning, you know, under center, Ooh, you know? Maybe. It's hey, if if that interior offensive line looks like they did against Rice, Tyler, Quinn's going to be on his back for the entire game. I mean, the running backs better learn how to pass protect, and that interior offensive line better start looking like last year's offensive line, or, again, it is going to be a long day for them. So we'll see. Um, you know, all of the talk is about Quinn, 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 Quinn. I get it. They're our biggest rival. We talk about them a lot. But Jalen I this is a talented guy. And Texas fans are very familiar with him too. Came from Texas, so it's yeah. I I think Jalen Milrow is going to be your player of the game. I think uh, Jalen Milrow is going to have a
0: nice day. I think it's all about the Bama front seven and the run game, man. I I really think they're going to have a ton of success running the ball with Jalen Milrow. But I, I think that they are going to um, they're gonna they're gonna bring the wood tomorrow against uh, UT. In the trenches, I feel very good about that. If Texas offensive line looks anything like they did last week, so I I locked Alabama minus seven. I still can't believe that eighty-two percent of the money, excuse me, seventy-two percent of the money is on Texas right now. Um, but a lot of people picking the horns to cover. A lot of people picking the horns to to win this game straight up. I think Alabama might win this by anywhere from fourteen to seventeen points. Man, that's just that's kind of where I'm at.
1: Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I I don't think it gets ugly on the Texas side. I think everybody can agree on that at least, right? Like, everybody can say it doesn't get, like, out of hand where Bama's beat, like, 35-7 or something like that. Like, I, I think we're all pretty comfortable yeah. in getting there. Um, I I would say It's, it's been a while it's, since
0: Bama's been beaten like that. I,
1: I'm trying to right. remember the last time that's happened. Right. And, and I think... But I think it's, it could very easily go the other way. I mean, Kool-Aid McInistry, uh being locked up on Xavier Worthy for most of the day, that's obviously a, a massive matchup to watch. Caleb Downs, uh, you know, we were talking about Peyton Bowen being on the preseason, like the, the impact true freshman. Well, the other one at safety was Caleb Downs, and he's the one that Nick Saban has said most reminds him of Minka Fitzpatrick. And that is the, if you know Nick Saban or have heard Nick Saban, that's about the highest praise that you can possibly get. So I think this secondary is going to be ready for the task that Texas is going to throw at them quite literally and figuratively. Um, yeah, I, li- I like Alabama by a couple touchdowns here. Dang. Text line, 918 52 13, Bama.
0: Mike from Jeez. Sand Springs says Bama by 30. Their O-line is fire. Yeah, no, <laughs> not, not, not many on the text line think it's going to be close tomorrow. Was last year. Was close in Austin. We'll see if they can do it again. Uh, okay, who's Oklahoma State going to start tomorrow at quarterback? They've got three different options. They play three different quarterbacks against Central Arkansas. They're only like a three-point favorite at Arizona State. This is a dangerous spot for, for
1: OSU. Yeah, it's, it's tough because obviously – this isn't a Dion situation where you're putting in your son, but oh, it doesn't matter, your son's a baller. Like, he's gonna have to deal with that. A bit of hubris. It's he's gonna have those questions unless Gunner goes out there and, and balls out. That that because I think you'll get a bit of a bit of hindsight, right? Like if Gunner doesn't play this week and one of the other quarterbacks goes and balls out, like they're going to just call back like well why'd you do that last week? why'd you do that last week? I personally Rangel is probably who I like the most. I mean, I think he's the best I, out of the 3 in, in the uh, highest which upside. Is, ugh, which is good lord, that's uh that's a tough spot to be. <laughs> that's a tough I would much rather be in Oklahoma spot where we're having to decide yeah. which of the guys that uh, absolutely balled out uh we want to play, you know, going forward obviously Dylan Gabriel's the starter, but Um, I would, there's not a lot I would envy about that situation.
0: No, I'm, uh, I guess Rangel's going to start, I'm not going to be surprised if Gunnar Gundy starts just because he closed the game out last week, but I'll say OSU wins a tight one, but I don't, I don't feel great about it. This is a big swing game for them, in my opinion, you know, if they win this one and they look a lot better then oh, okay, maybe they can get on the right track a little bit and get back on pace, but... They lose this one, and however many quarterbacks they play, none of them play well. This really sets them back, and they could be looking at a really tough year. So I think in a lot of ways, this is a big game for them, man. But not not the toughest team that they're going to play, far from it with Arizona State. But definitely a must-win for OSU. they they got to win this game.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, and, and you talk about the quarterback position, right, Jaden Rashada getting out there, it can show you what an elite quarterback can do because Arizona State doesn't have a lot of talent, Tyler. They got Jan Rashada, not a whole heck of a lot else. So it's just going to rub it in OSU fans' faces even more if they get touched up by an elite quarterback or what we think will turn into an elite quarterback while they're sitting there twiddling their thumbs, playing three-card money of, of you know who's going to get the start this week. Probably going to be
0: a lower-scoring game as well because OSU has definitely been an offensive program. I feel like when Arizona State's been at least pretty good, they've been an offensive program as well. But I just with both teams' quarterback situation, with how young Rashada is, I don't see this game being played in the 40s. It could be a 24-21 type of uh, football game late night in Tempe coming up tomorrow night. Uh, I'm very interested in uh, watching Cincinnati, and I don't know if I would be – If OU wasn't going up there in a couple of weeks, but this is a big spot for them, man. Um, They impressed in week one, but they played a really bad team. They go out to Pitt and win, and Emory Jones looks like the truth, and they're they're really going to catch my attention. But I'm very interested in Cincinnati going to Pitt, and I'm really interested in UCF going to Boise.
1: Yeah... This UCF team, it's weird because I obviously consume a lot of college football content on Twitter. And, God, UCF is so loud on Twitter. I mean, I know they really hang on to that 2017 national title year, but they're just super loud on Twitter. So I don't know if they're actually good, Tyler, or if I'm just being brainwashed by the UCF Twitter mob. What do you what, what do you think about UCF? I think they're pretty good. I think their quarterback's good.
0: Um, I, I think that's... Like We keep bringing up SMU, right? Well, how good are they offensively? What What are we talking about here in terms of best offenses that you're going to – best offenses that you're going to face? I think UCF's the top three offense that you're going to see this year. I still think Texas is the best offense you're going to see because of what the overall ceiling is. Travis, I, I think UCF could be the second best offense you see this season. I, th- I think they're that good, especially at QB.
1: Yeah, I mean – it, it, it comes down to it, right? I mean, it's, and that's what is kind of interesting. And I know this is out of left field, but it's kind of interesting that you look at a team like Georgia, who wasn't reliant on otherworldly quarterback play to, to really, you know, score a ton of points, where more traditionally we go through the Big 12 and say, okay, who are the best quarterbacks, right? You've got, you know, Jalen Daniels in, at KU, who we all really like. You've got Will Howard at Kansas State, who we really like. You've got Emory Jones, who at least had a good week one. We'll see how that goes. Like, but but to your point, yeah. I mean, we we this this week. I'll, I'll put it this way: this weekend will be extremely telling about the Big 12's pecking order going forward. Yeah. extremely Did telling. It, Tech
0: and uh, Baylor get their first win of the year. Ooh, both playing I, top twenty-five te- or top fifteen teams at home, I should say.
1: No, I think I think they both start zero two. Personally, what do you think? I think
0: Tech's got a better chance to win, but I think that they both lose. Yeah. Yeah, I, think I, I definitely the, uh, think Tech has a better chance to win. I mean, it, at least Tech has its starting quarterback. Baylor doesn't even have that. Um, I guess, yeah. I I think Oregon's pretty good. I think they're going to go out there and win a close one. But I think Baylor and Tech are both zero and two to start the year. Man.
1: Yeah, for two teams, Tyler. You remember when the schedule came out? We kept on saying, "Hey, man, uh, we're not gonna we're not gonna have to play K State, Baylor, or Tech." Man, those are three teams you lost to last year. We kind of got a break. Well, I don't know, man. Like like, trade UCF uh, and Cincinnati for Baylor and tech. Come on. Right. Who would have thought thought we would be, uh, we would be saying that, but no, it's interesting because we we've talked about ever since the, uh, ever since the announcement of the sec move and even more so the announcement that all these other teams would be added to the big 12, the constant conversation has been, who's the new big dog. Who's the new Oklahoma. Who's the new dominant team. That's going to, you know, really take the reins of this conference and Tyler, Baylor, Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, when you look at past success in this conference, you thought maybe a couple of them might have an opportunity. You know, obviously Tech hasn't played in the Big 12 championship. OSU has, Baylor's won, but I just, I don't know. I I think it's just Utah and Utah's it. Like, I, I think it just starts and ends there. What say you?
0: I think uh, Utah's going to be that team. And if it's not Utah, I think it's going to be UCF. Just the, the recruiting potential for UCF um i i just think is i don't know if it's overwhelming i just think it's very high and i think gus is a pretty good coach man so i think utah they're gonna have to replace cam rising at the end of the year but they look pretty good without cam rising i know florida's not that great but you know they look pretty good without cam rising um but i i really like gus at, at ucf especially if he stays there for a while i'd say utah and ucf are probably my one and two and very interested to see what happens with TCU here moving forward, but they would probably be my third. I've got
1: a, I've got an interesting question for you. At least I think it's interesting. Do you think – we talk about the SEC bump that we get, right? And, and you know, obviously teams like SMU will get a recruiting bump by going to the ACC. You'll see, you know, some other schools that are, are stepping up into a new league maybe. Do you think the Big 12, the new Big 12 – gives a bigger bump than the old Pac-12. I say that to say Utah, right? Does Utah have an easier time recruiting to the Big 12 and this new-look Big 12, or do you think that that the Pac-12 was more impressive as a conference to recruits?
0: Well, I don't think – I mean, I I think that the Pac-12 has an influence here. Like, now that all of the Pac-12 teams are playing in the Midwest now in the Big Ten – like, I don't think it's a huge disadvantage that Utah's not going to be playing a games in, a ton of games in California. You, you know what I mean? Like, if they were leaving the Pac-12 and the Pac-12 was staying intact, maybe that would hurt them a bit in California. But all the teams on the West Coast are basically moving to the Midwest as is. It probably helps Utah get a little bit more in the state of Texas. I would say not a huge change, but if anything, I think it's a slight positive for them.
1: Okay. That's interesting because I, I like. I would agree. I would agree. I think stability is really what it is. I think you know when a recruit goes somewhere and they say, "Hey, I'm, the Pac-12." People have been talking about the Pac-12's demise. If the Pac-12 was dead for years now, you know that's it. how can schools negatively recruit against you, right? Well, you could negatively recruit against Utah by just saying the Pac-12 was dying off. Nobody watches it. Pac-12 yeah. after dark. All your games are played at midnight. Who nobody nobody had nobody even knows where to find you on TV. Now at least it's hey, we're on the lifeboat. You know, we may not be on, on the big cruise ship, but we're at least on the lifeboat, and and we're not going anywhere.
0: 405-651-3439 is the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Who's going to lead the team in receiving tomorrow? Well, we'll try uh, to give a guess coming up next segment. Hit us up on the text line as well with your thoughts. Who's going to lead the team in receiving tomorrow? Game two against SMU. We'll hit that more coming up next right here on The Ref.
2: Did you miss one of our shows? Don't beat yourself up, because we've made it easy for you to beat that Ref Army FOMO. Catch up on shows and interviews you might have missed with the Ref Podcast page. Just go to kref.com and click on the podcast page. Or go check out your favorite podcast provider and search for KREF, the home of Sooner fans. Here for you 24-7, 365 at the KRF Podcast page.
0: So we see football Friday. Live on the ref for the Homosuter fans, Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson. It's time to fill up that stat sheet brought to you by Dorsey Jones Buick GMC in El Reno. I 40 and exit 125, just 20 minutes from OKC. A little drive to Big Savings. Uh, we got a prediction on the text line for the 5 Stogner with three touchdowns tomorrow. Ooh, that'll be surprising. Ooh. Um, I think it's going to be bombs away tomorrow with the uh, deep balls. Oh, I think is yeah. gonna get plenty of opportunities to throw the balls down the field that means Andrew Anthony to me is gonna have a monster day I think he could have I mean, let's see how about how about six catches for 135 yards and two touchdowns tomorrow for Andrew Anthony Jeez. that's my leading receiver tomorrow
1: yeah it's gonna be a big day hey, hey I like it I mean you, you you you're you're calling your shot no doubt about it um I think I think Jaden Gibson's going to have another big one, man. I think. I think. They, I hope so. I'm rooting for that, man. I, I really am. Yeah, I think internally they're rooting for him too. I think he caught so much flack from everybody from from and and it wasn't undeserved. He couldn't catch the ball, so I think he's past that. Hearing him now, he's grown up so much. The coaching staff said that. I think a lot of people are really rooting for him. I think. I think it's kind of similar to Justin Harrington. On the defensive side of the ball I think I think those are two players that everybody really seems to be rooting for I think Jaden Gibson got so much confidence After last week One with the back shoulder The other one, the tipped jump ball from Jackson Arnold Came down with it in the corner of the end zone I think they're going to say Hey look, you think you're a jump ball receiver now? Then go get it Alright, show me Keep going and getting them And I think he's just going to keep on building more and more confidence I think Jaden Gibson has a big day I'm going to go with only four catches, but I think he's going to have 95 yards on those four catches with, call it one score. Yeah. Well, he doesn't
0: need space to make a big play. We saw that last week, right? Doesn't need space. He, he just needs right. to be covered. He, he's not going to have the drops. Getting wide open is is. Don't let is him get wide open.
2: Issue.
0: Yeah, don't let him get yeah. wide open. Make sure the coverage is tight when you throw it up to him and just let him go make a, a crazy play. Uh Okay, 405. Uh, Jacquez Petaway, seven catches, 120 yards with a touchdown. I think he houses one touchdown of 60-plus yards. Les in Hayes, Kansas says, I think Nick Anderson going to have a big game at wide receiver. So Les says yep. Nick Anderson. That one says Jacquez Petaway. I say Andrew Lanthony. You said uh, Jaden Gibson. I'm sure someone's going to say Gavin Freeman. We don't know any more than what we did this time last week as to who the number one receiver is going to be or if there is going to be a number one receiver. But I think everyone is, yeah, I feel better about the wide receiver position than what I did last week. Everyone at least feels better about it, and especially the guys that we consider down the, uh, I don't know, down the depth chart, but m- maybe not the first of the starting three.
1: Yeah, I don't know. It's it definitely... I, I think I think the three that were first listed off, well, I guess three out of the four that first listed off, Jaden Gibson, Nick Anderson, and Andrew Anthony, I think by the end of the year, and this sounds crazy, but I think by the end of the year, those are your three starters. Um, Could be. I'm I not going to doubt th- anything
0: at that position after last. I think anything is. Kevin Garnett, anything is possible at wide Anything receiver.
1: is possible. Mm-hmm. But that's the thing. It's You put those three out there, and that's nightmarish. You've got six four and six five, each north of two hundred pounds, that can run and jump. And and then Andrew Anthony that's got the burner down the slot. I think that is your final your 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 final game of the season, hopefully with something on the line with TCU. I think those are your three starters at the end of the year.
0: Chris and Lindsay says is Drake going to play? Haven't heard anything. Uh, I, I think yeah, I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna try and play. I, he, he's going to be able to play. I think he'll be cleared to play. Probably yeah. up to him, like a pain threshold. But Drake, it's his last year. He's maybe the toughest guy on the team. I would, I would probably put money on Drake Stoops playing tomorrow. It's his dad's birthday Camo's, weekend, you know. Yeah, yeah.
1: Can't yeah. not, can't not play on your dad's birthday weekend.
0: Unless he just wants to sit in the suite like Chris Jones did last night. That didn't, that didn't seem all that bad.
1: Well, yeah, I'm, it's funny because the defensive line looked really good early for the Chiefs, and I'm like, oh, that's got to be a little awkward. And then they lost, and I'm sure he's like, hey, hey, what if you had one more? Uh, what if you had one more uh, All-Pro <laughs> defensive lineman out there, or Pro Bowl defensive lineman out there? How would that have gone? Uh, Camo Sooner
0: Farouk with the Redemption Game. So we've covered just about every single wide receiver who's going to lead the team in uh, receiving tomorrow. Uh, I'm going with Andrew Anthony, though. I, I think he is the deep tar- uh, the deep threat now, and I think he's going to be the deep target all year long. And He's gonna get a lot of opportunities tomorrow. I just well, I uh, think feel good about the midfield really like, passing game.
1: I really like what Teddy was saying about tiring them out and getting them into that second string by going back and forth sideline side to sideline, sideline to sideline. Because the worst thing that you can do after you've been going sideline to sideline is, man, Andrew, you've, you've been pull, you've been pulling those safeties up, and then you you have a burner just running right down the middle, just like we saw on the first drive last week, just you know run the ball run the ball quick you know maybe a bubble something like that and then go for the jugular I mean I, I can totally see that happening regularly
0: one more Jeremy and Tulsa says Brennan Thompson where has he been uh he was in sweatpants last week he's he's going to be out for uh, for a, a few more weeks um
1: yeah just banged up a hof- bit
0: yeah ho- hopefully he's able to get back and You know, be able to do something uh, offensively this year, help this team out offensively. But yeah, he's in uh, sweatpants last week, and he probably will be uh, tomorrow as well. All right, final segment on this OEC Football Friday coming up next. Keep it locked on the ref.
2: Stream at home. Shop the latest ref gear. Read the latest issues of Boyd Street or 19th Street Magazine. And listen to the podcast for your favorite ref shows. Just visit the all-new KREF.com website.
0: Final segment of the day wrapping up. Riverwood Casino and Hotel bringing you the final hour of the rush. Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson. And it feels like Travis in about an hour and a half is going to get some really, really good news in the uh, 2024 class when the number 82 player nationally, Nigel Smith. Uh, sounds like he's going to pick uh, OU coming up at about 720. What's OU the uh, number 12-ranked class nah, according to 24-7? They're going to get up to number 8. So I think this is the first time this cycle that OU will be a top 8 class, and Nigel Smith is going to get you there in about 90 minutes.
1: Yep, you would jump Michigan uh, at 8 and you would to take over that spot. You'd just be nipping the heels of Tennessee and keep in mind this is a is this is a recruitment to be excited about. He would yes, be he would be if he were again going back to 2000, I said this to open the show. If you went and took every recruiting class all the way back to 2000, Nigel Smith would be your highest rated defensive tackle in 16 of those classes. So don't take drama free to mean no impact, because this guy is the real deal. And if he played, if he went to camps and put himself out there and tried to do all that, he would he probably would still be a five star. But the thing is, all he wants to do is play football, man. He just he says, "Look, I am going to let the 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 play on the field do the talking." And you talk about drama free on the recruitment. He's all he's just drama free on the field, man. Loves to play basketball too. I think he's got at that. I think at two sixty, he had like a thirty six inch vertical. You talk about explosive. That is explosive as they come, Tyler.
0: A lot easier to be drama-free when you don't have a lot of uh, high-profile offers. That's not the case with Nigel Smith, man. He had every offer that, you know, a top 100 player normally has. The Bama offer, the Ohio State offer, the OU offer, the Texas offer. Nigel Smith could have played college football anywhere he wanted to. So not only is OU – and I think that's important, an important part of this, Travis, is we always – or not always, but there's so many times where we say, oh, well – yeah, well A and M's just gonna come in with the bag or this is gonna happen, George is gonna come in late. Like this this kid had all of those offers and he never wavered for OU for like over two years. This is a hell of a recruiting effort by the staff. No other way to say it.
1: Yeah, I mean we had him on uh, the spring game post game show back in twenty twenty two and uh yeah, he, he, he loved OU then. He loves OU now. He even told me on uh, – he came on the podcast with me and uh, JP and said, yeah, I should probably post more on social media about, like, different offers and put my photos <laughs> up and all that kind of stuff. And he still just doesn't. Like, like he recognizes that he should, like, you know, to build the brand and all this kind of stuff. And he still is just like, nah, I'm good. Yeah, well – I think good news is uh, coming up here in
0: about 90 minutes. That will get you to the number eight class, Danny Okoye. You're sitting in a really good spot with him as well. So the path to a top eight class, boy, it is, it's is—it's really showing right now. And if you were to do something crazy, super crazy like Flip Williams-Wanary, maybe top five. I don't know. I, I'm just saying don't, don't close the book. Definitely top five. You do that. Don't close the book on a top five class just yet. One All last. Right, I appreciate yeah, One go One last ahead.
1: text real quick. i got to answer. Is Nigel Smith interior lineman or outside? Think Rondo Bothroyd. Big enough to be slid inside if you want to bring in like an R. Mason Thomas or P.J. Adabari or something like that. Big enough but can still play on the outside. Either way, really good.
0: Appreciate Riverwind for having Travis out, Jimmy Austin, and the Bob Stoops Golf Tournament for having me out. We'll talk to you tomorrow on the Ref Pregame Show right here on the Ref for the homeless Sooner fans. <laughs>
2: Wake up every morning with the voice of the Sooners, Toby Rowland. It's the T-Row in the morning show with Toby and TJ Perry on the home of Sooner fans. The Ref Sports Radio Network.